Today, we're talking to Jamila White, pronouns she and her. Jamila is a psychic, medium, life coach, and Reiki master and teacher who helps people go from feeling off balance, fearful of the future, and stuck in a rut to experiencing the clarity, peace of mind, and freedom to live their lives and run their businesses with unconditional joy and purpose. Her intuitive consultations and Akashic Records readings are empowering. They are empowering. That's how you say that word. Engaging, uplifting, and laugh out loud funny. Jamila's philosophy is one of empowerment. It's your life, your divine purpose, and your choices. Her calling is to share insights to help you clarify your own path to joy and fulfillment and to help you recognize and develop your own gift of intuition. A Washington, D.C. area native and one-time Wheel of Fortune contestant, Jamila is currently living her best life in Barbados while serving clients all over the world. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on, Spash. Hey, Spash. Hey, Erica. It's so nice to hey, be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I know. So just a little background on the turn on. We would not be here if it would, was not for Jamila. Like... Yeah. In the beginning, we were like, I don't know. Is this an idea? (laughs) Should we do it? And in addition to being our intuitive, uh, Jamila is also just like fabulously gifted with all things startup business, entrepreneurship and Internet. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, when we got the gone do it girl from you, we were like, well, shit, guess we got to make this work. (laughs) It's so good to see you all actually doing it. I'm so proud of you. I'm excited for you. This went from a, a conversation like two or three years ago to here you are now in what season four, season five of your season podcast. Five. Five. Yeah. That's incredible. Yay. Do that thing. Do that thing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Wait, thank why did you. I not know that you were on a Wheel of Fortune? You did not? Because it, it was before no. we met, it was long before we met. I, I was, uh, I had just graduated from Howard. Um, and the funny story about that the short version is they came to Howard during my senior year to recruit a team for the college episode. Mm. Um, and they were going to include, cause they were going to film it in Disney world and all expense paid trip to Disney world for a week. And that's what I wanted. So I auditioned uh, with 200 <laughs> other Howard students trying to get that free trip. Mm. And, you know, they had all these rounds of elimination and I made it down to the final 10 um, and I wasn't selected to be on the team of four, but as a uh, someone who made it that far through the process, they invited me to come back on the regular show at my own expense. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm broke college student. See ya. But uh, later that summer after I graduated, right before I started my, my full-time job, um, I was able to go out to LA and be on the show. And uh, I came in last place <laughs> because I, I knew the answer, but every time it was like, not my turn. I would get lose a turn, miss a turn, uh, oh. or it wouldn't be my turn to speak. I'm like, that's not how it works at home. I can just yell at the TV, you know, <laughs> but I did. I want a little bit of money and some nice party gifts. <laughs> like a refrigerator and a jet ski. 
No, like some Paul Mitchell hair products and a quote lifetime supply of Lifesavers candy, which basically translated to a $50 gift certificate from some random pick any item catalog. But you know, (laughs) and every once in a while, every once in a while, it will pop up on a game show network rerun and I'll get a bunch of calls from people like, I think I just saw you on TV, but you had a perm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Good wow. Good I'm so mad at this lifetime supply because I, you know, I know I know they're not gonna like send you a check every week, but I would at least think they'd give you like, okay, you're gonna eat a pack of now uh pack of lifesavers <laughs> every day for a week or something. You know, every week. No, well apparently they determined the value of a lifetime of lifesavers as fifty dollars in the nineties. So that you know, that's what it mm. would have been. And then they said, we're going to give you a gift of the equivalent. So I was able to pick some things from a catalog and I ended up picking up like a a, a cooler and a, a three-way flashlight. I mean, it was weird stuff. It's like the <laughs> shit from the, um, when you're selling when you the cookies. When sale shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you sell a cookie catalog. That was okay. ex- exactly. And I got about $1,300. But once the taxes came out and then I paid for the trip out to Los Angeles from mm. DC, um, yeah, the money was it wasn't much, and uh, I was out there. There was another Sora on the show. Uh, 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 my Sans from Delta Chapter, who I met, and we were so excited because they they felt like a, a week at a at a, time, at a time, and you had to just change clothes and pretend like you saw some people yesterday. But you're sequestered with these people all day, like a jury. So you really get to know them, and you start really rooting for them. Like, oh my God, Becky about to win thirty five thousand dollars. <laughs> get it, Becky? <laughs> get, you know so. <laughs> Yeah, it was That's fun. Cute. And so me and the sore that I just met, we had like an extra t- day or two because, you know, we both lost. So we were able to hang out in Los Angeles and Hollywood. And we ran into uh, one of the guys from Tony, Tony, Tony and Popeye's Chicken. Uh, at the time, they were like a big hot group. This <laughs> <was> like 1994. <laughs> Wait, this why are we talking about this? <laughs> this is such a 90s story. I love it. <laughs> why are we talking about this? <laughs> okay, sorry. Because I'm nosy. <laughs> Oh yeah, but it was okay. fun. You know, it's just it's one of those things that it's like, wait, you did what? Because you know, people always expect me to say yes, and she studied this form of spiritual such and such. And, oh, that's some boring bullshit. You know, I was on wheel of fortune, and I feel like that's one of my best life accomplishments, even though I came in last. Yeah, it's certainly fun. And it's, it's funny, fun. I didn't solve any puzzles. And my everybody else was getting money, and my thing was still at zero dollars. And it was like the last puzzle, and it's a speed round. And it was like the last thing, and I guessed the letter P, and it turned out to be a handicapped parking space. It had a whole bunch of P's in it. So I guessed, and that's mm. how I got some money. Because at that point, I was like, please don't let me go home with no money. People are going, I will never live this down. I can't be on this show. My grandmother's going to be watching. And I came home with zero money. Plus, I ain't started my job yet. I had to pay for this trip. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so it worked out. It, it worked out. It was one of those things. Yeah. And Pat Sajak stood on a box. He's very small. He looks like he's a tiny tot. He looks like he's a short king. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Did I know? (laughs) Okay. Well, that was a great non sequitur. Was that a non sequitur? (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) I just like using words. Um. Okay. So let's jump in. Uh, what were the what were the prevailing attitudes about sex and gender in your home growing up, and how do you think that impacts the way you move through the world? 
Now, sex was another story that really wasn't talked about in my household, at least not with me as the youngest child. And I remember when I was four-ish, I must have been asking my mom a lot of questions about how babies get made um, and where babies come from. And she bought me a very detailed, elaborate book for children um, called How Where Babies Come From or How Babies Are Made or something like that. And I read that book from cover to cover. I memorized it. I looked at all the pictures. To this day, I can tell you about the pictures in the book. It was kind of like a hippie type book. And it was a, they were trying to show the stages of body development. So they had a whole family standing side by side, butt naked. These hippie people with long black, these white people with long black hair <laughs> and uh, all body hair, never shaved in no places. And I was just fascinated by these people. It was like from kids all the way up to the adults. And I'll just be looking at these pictures like, wow. And I remember thinking they talked about how babies get made and that the way that fertilization occurs is that people are, you know, at the time when they're having sex, they're not really thinking about making a baby. And I'm thinking, how could you actually be doing that and not think that you're making the baby? Like, you didn't just fall on somebody's penis. So how do you not be thinking about you're not making a baby? I just could not understand that process. Like, okay, if you're putting food in your mouth, you're thinking I'm eating. So how are you putting something in your body and not thinking I'm making a baby? Smarter so my, than a lot of grown folks. At that, yeah, at that age, I was just like, I don't, the connection of why somebody would be having sex except to procreate, you know, like I said, four or five was just beyond me, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> and, you know, growing up, you know, my mom didn't really talk about sex that much at that time. And what's different now, you know, at the time, she was going through her own evolution as a woman, as a parent, as a spiritual being. Um, you know, at the time she was a Capitol Hill staffer. You know, we grew up in the DC area, um, only wore Ann Taylor type clothes and only wore puns. I don't think I ever saw my mom in flats ever or sneakers ever at that time. And what's funny now is like, she's this barefoot earth mother goddess, age 76. And for the last like 30 years, 40 years, she's been a holistic healer, a birth doula, massage therapist, a Reiki master, aromatherapist, reflexer, all these things in the 80s when nobody knew what that shit was. Mm. And I was just like, what is that? And people are like, is your mom in a cult? Because she was doing aromatherapy. And now, you know, you can go to Walmart and get aromatherapy right. at Target. Yeah. You know, but in the 80s, it was like, what are you smelling? What is that? Are you getting high <laughs> off that lavender oil? What is she doing to you, children? You know? Yeah. So my mom was just very into all of that stuff back then. You know, it's a different world now, but um, people were not into all that. So she was kind of ahead of her time. And not just with that, but with how she chose to live her life and, mm. you know, picking up and moving my freshman year, moving out of state to follow her heart. And I, you know, I look at that now and understand that what she was teaching me was how to be free. She wasn't mm -hmm. teaching it to me, like sit down and this is what I want to tell you, but just how she chose to live her life. Even when other people were being very judgmental about her choice of how are you going to, you know, leave your city and, you know, your, your daughter's off of college. And she was like, well, I'm done now. <laughs> Deuces, you know, but it, and it was, at the time, I can't say I was happy about it, but I look at that now and, and how I choose to live. I mean, I picked up and moved to Barbados and I can't pretend like seeing how my mother picked up and enjoyed her life played a, a, a part in some of my choices about pursuing what makes me happy and making joy a priority. Like that is so huge for me. Um, I know what it's like to not live with joy, to live in depression and anxiety and clinical this and that. So living with joy intentionally and not just trying to find some joy after I've done everything else. Um, that matters to me, 
you know, across the board in terms of how I choose to work, how I choose to live, how I choose to love. It's all about that. All right. So, Jamila. Yes. <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up? Ooh, I was one of those kids that wanted to be like five different things at once. I would tell people uh, a cheerleader and a veterinarian uh, and a parapsychologist. You know, this was after the, the Ghostbusters movie came out, the first one. Um, a gymnast. Uh, at age four, I wanted to own a toy store. Mm. And that was kind of what set me on the path to entrepreneurship at such an early age. I, I did two years in corporate America coming out of college. And the first year, I was really trying to do corporate America. The second year, I was running my part-time business and planning my exit. Mm. So it took one year for me to realize, oh, this is not for me. This, this environment and this, I liked the work, but I felt like I was pigeonholed into being a specialist when I am built to do multiple things simultaneously. Mm. That's part of my you know, makeup. Um, and But at age four, I, my mom and dad were considering buying a small independent um, toy store. And so my mom worked part-time in the toy store to get to, to learn the ropes. And so she would bring me in there from time to time. And I just remember walking up and down the aisles with toys upon toys upon toys. You know, I'm four. I'm like... You could work like you can have a job in here, and people can pay you to come in here and be with toys. Sign me up! And from that <laughs> point on, I wanted to own a retail store, mm-hmm. and my first business was in e-commerce retail. But it was because I was literally trying to open a store, a mm-hmm. physical store on Georgia Avenue, um, and the internet was a brand new thing. And I ended up opening a, a online shop. Uh, in 1997 when nobody was even on the internet like we still had dial-up that made loud screechy noises and (laughs) most people weren't on the web per se they were mostly like in AOL which had a contained community so it was and there weren't any examples there weren't any like the shopping cart software that we have now that does like 800 things Mm -hmm. that did not exist it did Mm -hmm. one thing and it was very expensive and I had a knuckle buster, a knuckle buster credit card machine with those old carbon copy things. And I was mostly doing vending and then I was you know, doing the e-commerce. But it all stemmed from my desire to own a retail store um, that was planted at age at age four and then came back up at age uh, 20 when um, I was pledging Delta and met my line sister, Carol, who at age she was 21 owned a store in Adams Morgan as a full-time college student. And I was just like, wait, you own the what? She <laughs> owned the dance shop. And I just remember, we, I met her at the Rush. Um, long story, but we were sitting over and standing in a corner trying not to eat the food and uh, <laughs> talking to each other <laughs> for reasons that I can't go into at this time. <laughs> and we were you know, getting to know each other. Because there were some other women that I knew there, but I didn't know her. So we were getting to know each other. And, you know, she mentioned that she owned a store. And I, it was like my mouth was on the floor. I'm like, what do you mean you own a store? And it changed my whole perception of life in that instant mm-hmm. and of who I was. Because up until that time, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But for some reason, in my mind, you had to be 40 and have done 
something for 20 years and then you stop doing that and then do it for yourself. Even though I had entrepreneurs in my family, nobody used that word. You know, I had I came from a line of entrepreneurs. My grandmother on my dad's side um, had a house cleaning business and sold clothes at the back of her car and bought herself a Cadillac. Uh, in you know in Greenville, North Carolina, and she would drive up to New York and spend time the school year in New York and summers and back in her hometown, Greenville, North Carolina, and that was a big deal. She had a fourth grade education, but she was able to to earn her own living. So even though I had that in my family, and then my dad had started some consulting businesses off and on uh, between that and him working in corporate America, I I did not see myself as an entrepreneur, that that's what older experienced people do. And here comes this young woman who were basically the same age. She's not even a business major. She was a psychology major. And she's telling me she owns a store in Adams Morgan, which for people outside the DC area, this is a major commercial strip. Mm -hmm. um, you know, very boho, very, uh, you know, it was, it was a major commercial strip with stores upon stores upon stores on the street. And she had a shop and I just, it, in that moment, I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. I don't know how she did it. I'm going to find out how she did it. But if she can do it, I can do it. Little did I know that two years later, I'll be starting my own business. You know, uh, but it changed my whole world in that moment. Like there, we all in life have these seminal moments where dun, 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 so fate happens and it changes something for you. And it puts you in a trajectory that you may not have been on. I think I would have eventually been an entrepreneur, but definitely not at age 22, 23 going full time, you know. Mm -hmm. But when I saw that Carol could do it and she kept that store open for several years, it wasn't easy. And she busted her butt and she had a bunch of us working in there part time for free. <laughs> but, um, but she did, you know, and I never looked at myself the same again after that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was so, like, I can do this. And you are. You talked just a moment ago about like those seminal moments. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, when did you come into your intuitive self? Ooh, like, that's a good that question. Like? Um, I was intuitive as a kid, although I wouldn't have used that word. I remember my first recollection of knowing, knowing that I knew something. I was probably maybe nine-ish. Hmm. Um, and we went to visit family friends in New Jersey for Easter. Um, and for Easter dinner, we we're all sitting around the table and somebody said, pass the salt or something like that. And I froze because I was just like, oh my God. Because I had seen that whole scene play out with the same people who I, some of which I, whom I didn't know until that day, um, sitting in that same table in that same order and someone had said pass the salt but i didn't even realize that i had seen it already until it happened and i'm like nobody else knows that this already happened and i'm looking around and everybody's just going about their business and i knew that i had seen something that had that i had already seen it before it happened and it wasn't significant. Nothing happened during that dinner. It was very uneventful, except for the fact that I had seen it already. And after that, I kept asking my mom questions about what is deja vu. That's the only word that I knew to describe it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about clairvoyance and whatever. I kept saying, what is deja vu? This feeling that you've already been somewhere. Uh, and she said, shortly after that, I asked her, and she said, this is the word I use. She said, I asked her for a book on the occult. Because I went to the library to look up everything I could about try, to try to understand myself and what had happened. 
And it probably had happened before, but that was the first time I was fully aware that something had occurred and that nobody else saw it. Um, and then I would have these little flashes like that of scenarios. And usually they weren't significant. They were just, you know, if you happen to just fast forward through a movie, you pause in a random place, but nothing major is happening in the plot. It was like that. Hmm. Um, and I began to devour everything I could. I would read about astrology and dream symbolism. And uh, I was big in astrology um, and palm reading. And I got a Ouija board, even though we all did what people do with it and pretend like we're moving it ourselves. And, um, and I, um, I started reading about past lives. I was fascinated about past lives. Mm. Um, I also had my own past life, um, memories come up also around that same age, mm. um, maybe even a little bit younger, but still not having the vocabulary to explain what I was experiencing, even though it was a traumatic past life memory. I think I was maybe seven or eight and I was at my dad's and we were watching the movie Roots, the TV miniseries. And the middle passage scene was so disturbing to me. And it wasn't just because it was a disturbing thing about people being enslaved and brutalized and trafficked essentially. But I knew that I had done that. I, it wasn't like I'm watching this on TV and it's disturbing me. It's like, Oh no, I've done that. I remember this. I remember being chained. I remember being um, condensed like sardines and I began to vomit and I could not explain. And I was having nightmares and I could not explain to, to my dad or anybody else that I had seen it before. If they just thought I was disturbed by, you know, um, a disturbing scene, but I could not explain that. No, I know this. I was there. Um, and I know what happens in this environment. I can feel it in my body. I could not explain that at that age. Yes, I had a past life memory. Like I didn't have the vocabulary and I didn't have anybody to even explain to me what that was mm. um, at that time. So early on, I had these glimpses, but it wasn't until I was an adult that things began to come um, all the way out where it was more detailed and it was more messages about people. And um, when I was maybe 22 ish, 23, um, I had been out of college for a little while and I remember having this very intense dream where there was these, all these minnows, like a school of minnows, thousands and thousands of minnows swimming. And I just happened to mention it in a conversation on the phone with my mom. And she said, oh, you had a fish dream. And I was like, yeah, like I said, it was all these fish. She said, no, 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 you had a fish dream. Like, that's a thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I had never heard of that before. And she said, your grandmother and great-grandmother used to have those. And that they also just knew things. And that was her way of saying that they too were intuitive. And at this point, I'm like, what are you, I had never heard that before about them. And that not only that, but my great grandmother could look at people and know stuff. And she said she, my mother said one day they were all sitting at the dinner table and, and her grandmother looked at her and said, you're pregnant. Now she and my dad had just found out and they hadn't told anybody yet. And my grandmother, my great grandmother um, just knew. She looked at her and she was like, you're pregnant. She also used to have fish dreams and no other things. And I didn't think that much of it. I was like, okay, whatever. It's, you know, that's some folklore, some urban myth stuff until, dun, 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 you know, over the next two months, about eight of my friends, mostly uh, Delta Soros, revealed that they were pregnant. And I was like, 
what are you saying? Because that's what fish dreams mean is somebody you know is pregnant or is about to be. And then every time I had a fish dream after that, I would let people know. And sure enough, this outpouring of how did you know or next thing someone got pregnant. And then the dream started getting more and more specific. Um, you know, someone had a, a, a gold and black fish and then they got pregnant by an alpha. Someone <laughs> else had a fish um, swimming in a fountain and someone was throwing cigarette butts in the fountain. And then the person was, oh, I'm pregnant. And me and my boyfriend, fiance, just had a big fight about him smoking around me when I'm pregnant. Like all of this very detailed stuff started coming. Um, and then I had some other life experiences in, in the years that followed that that brought my intuition way out to the front to where the the curtain, I would say, between this world and the spirit world was pulled back completely. Mm. And I could go back and forth between those two worlds and the spirit world could go back and forth with me mm. and share information and insights for people. And you know, I never thought even as my intuition was growing, that I would be able to say, yes, at three o'clock next Friday, I'm going to sit down with you for an hour and just start telling you all these things. Like that never even occurred to me that that was a possibility. I was just trying to understand my own life. And I began to start reading about intuition and spirituality and all of these other things. Um, and then so, and this spirit brought someone into my life um, around that time. And it's a friend, from, a friend of a friend from Howard, someone I knew but we weren't real close. This is somebody that I knew. And she called me at the time. I was still working in um, internet consulting and internet strategy and marketing. I had that full-time business doing that. And she called me to interview me for a magazine. Uh, she was a freelance writer and she was interviewing me uh, for Black Enterprise to talk about some of this e-commerce stuff. And after the 20 minute interview, we sat in Starbucks, we talked for three hours about metaphysics and intuition and spirituality. And I would, and then we became like best friends. And then we would go to places, Starbucks and Outback and other rest and Jasper's, which also was BT Soundstage at one point. And we would be playing intuitive games and trying to channel and sometimes messing with cards and stuff. And people would be looking at like, what are they doing? And what I did not understand at the time, because had Spirit said, we are training you to become a professional psychic, I would have run screaming from the room. But essentially what that was was intuitive drills. Mm -hmm. and, my, and, and, it, and those quote fun games in Starbucks took me to a place where I could be intuitive on demand. Mm. Um, and it's a, it also taught me that it's a skill like anything else, it's a muscle. It can be taught and it can be strengthened and everybody has it and you can always get better from where you are. Um, and if you practice, you strengthen that muscle. Um, and it's something that's accessible to everyone. Um, and everyone may not end up being a professional psychic and doing readings for other people, but everyone, every person has the gift of intuition that they can strengthen and that is Spirit's way, God's way of sharing with you information and insights and guidance to help you live your best life. And it isn't always about having a whole vision and being clairvoyant and seeing people sitting around an Easter table, but it's about uh, pick up the phone and call this person or uh, take a different route to work today or um, go to this event uh, or leave that person alone. Okay, like we've mm -hmm. all had that, leave this person alone and, and it wasn't even based on something you observed or saw, but it was a feeling, but you ignored it. And you know what happened? Mm -hmm. We've all done it. So we all have intuition. 
we all have this inner compass, this spiritual compass. And part of, I feel like my purpose in life is to help people tap into their own intuition, their own guidance, and more importantly, learn how to trust it. We all recognize it, but sometimes we're not sure of it until after the fact, you know, 20, uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, And it's like, oh, you know, I knew I should have done that, or I knew I should have done that. And then you missed an opportunity because you didn't follow that intuition. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when you are plugged in, um, and it isn't even like, a, oh, let me be intuitive now, but just when you're really plugged in, it's just a flow that you have of being able to navigate through life, even if you don't have the entire blueprint about what's gonna happen in your life, you're like, okay, I feel very strong from the inside that this is my next move. Mm -hmm. and then you have to trust it and act on it. That's where people mostly get stuck is on the trusting and acting on it part. Right. So you were just kind of detailing some of the ways that, um, kind of the milestones, the things that happen along the way as your intuition developed. I remember once you did, I think it was, I don't know if it was a post, I think it was a, po a series of posts about the different ways that intuition shows up. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about that? Like that was sure. really, oh, it was a workshop or something that you did. It was a workshop. And yeah. It was mm -hmm. so, like it made me understand, like you've always told me I was intuitive, but like it helped me to understand some of the ways that I was picking up on things without realizing it. Can you talk yep. about the ways that intuition Sure. So there are so many ways that people can be intuitive. There's so many different types of intuitive intelligence and being able to see things or clairvoyance, which literally means clear seeing, is just one of them. People can may hear things. They may hear voices or hear words or sounds or music. Um, people may um, feel things in their body, like I get a tingle in my arm or the hair on the back of my neck stands up, or I get this weird feeling in the pit of my stomach, or my left eyebrow will start throbbing. You know, that can show up differently for different people. Or they may just know things. Suddenly they just know. They didn't know before, now they just know. Like there's an actual word for that, you know, um, called claircognizance. But I have, where I, just know I don't know how I know, I just know, right? You, there's even intuitive, you just, Exactly. Clear cognizance. And some people even have intuitive sense of smell and intuitive taste where they can mm. smell and taste things that don't physically exist. I didn't know that was a thing either. And I could not understand at one point um, why I kept smelling roses. I thought I had like hugged an old lady and had like rose perfume on me, but I realized I had not left the house that day. My clothes were clean. I was working at home in my basement, in my basement office. Uh, this was back when I was doing marketing and I could not understand. But then later I began to understand over time as they were revealing themselves to me that both my great grandmother uh, was coming through and that was her way of being around. And also I had a spirit guide that always worked with roses. She worked with rose oils and rose petals and rose essence. And um, she actually later helped me start a business making bath and body products and using aromatherapy and flower essences and all this other stuff. And that was like a co-creation between me and a spirit guide. But I didn't know that the way that they were beginning to introduce themselves to me and that I could feel their presence around me. I can literally smell it. I did not know that With that was a people thing. people who've gone on. Um, and so that's how I know they visited. You've experienced that too. Some smell. people say they smell someone's perfume. Yeah. Their perfume or their body scent or cigar smoke or some people could say like, I I don't know what this means, but I'm smelling salt water. <laughs> well, yeah, lady, I just moved to Barbados and I live by the beach. 
you know? So it, people don't realize how intuitive they mm. are if they think that intuition just means having visions, you know? And once you begin to explain that there are all of these different kinds of intuitive intelligences, they realize, oh, I am more intuitive and I've been getting information and input all this time but didn't recognize it and now that i know that there are these different ways i'm much more aware of when my intuition is really kicking in for me and it may not have anything to do with being clairvoyant you know all of the psychics in most movies mm -hmm. and television are all clairvoyant they see things or they're a medium they talk to mm -hmm. dead people that's another whole other category of things you know, and, but so many of us are walking around as empaths or people who are highly sensitive to energy, um, to other people's vibes. You know, they may not know the word empath, but they understand vibes. This person got a funky vibe or um, how they feel drained after being around certain people very easily drained. Like people, there are so many empaths in our community who don't know that they're empaths and because they don't know that, they don't know how to use that to help themselves and others. They also don't know how to protect themselves from being overwhelmed by other people's energy. And there is, an, in my view, um, an epidemic of anxiety and depression among empaths, intuitives, and highly sensitive people mm. because they don't know that they're picking up on everybody else's shit and walking around with it. So just like we have um, daily physical hygiene practices, we wash our ass every day, we brush our teeth every day, you know, we wash our bodies, we wash our hair at certain intervals because we, we're not even saying, I'm going to wash my hair to remove the dust from this day. It's just a general practice. We need hygiene, energy hygiene practices because we are constantly picking up energy debris from other people. Like most people are wondering questions that I get about how do I keep negative spirits and demons off me? I'm like, you ain't got to be worried about mm. demons. You need to be worried mm. about the everyday people that you are interacting with in your home, in your office, in your community, on the subway, just like you can pass someone's energy. You can feel someone's energy and not realize it just because you pass them on the street if you're very sensitive. And you don't say, oh, now I am feeling that man in the blue coat's energy. You're just like, oh, dang, suddenly I'm so tired. Or suddenly I feel so irritated. Or now I'm saying, you don't, it does not register as this belongs to this other person. Because the true definition of empath is you feel it as if it is your own. We also have all of these children who are empaths who don't realize that they are picking up other people's feelings and vibes. And their parents don't realize it either. And they're so sensitive that they don't know how to manage it and it can mm -hmm. manifest as overwhelm it can manifest as depression mm -hmm. it can manifest as being distracted it can manifest exactly as being as anxiety um i am picking up all of it you think that kids can't feel mm -hmm. the worldwide fear around the pandemic of the last two years they don't have to be watching the news to feel everyone's fear to feel the fear of racism, to feel the fear of all the different things that are going on. And so I bring this up is because when you know that you're carrying all this shit, you can then take steps to release it and to cleanse yourself of it. Uh, but you, you, it's like if you're walking through a construction zone on the street, you're going to have a hard hat and you're going to get all this dust and debris that's falling. And it's, some of it's going to get on you. And at the end, you need to wash all that stuff off every day intuitive and sensitive and empath 
empathic people mm-hmm. are walking through a construction zone of dust and debris and they don't know to clean it off. And what do you think the cumulative effect of that is? Not to mention dealing with your own shit. We got our own shit. There's also mm-hmm. sexual energy debris. Be mindful about who you not just swap body fluids with, but that is such an intimate energy exchange. And um, I'm all for grown people doing what grown people want to do when it is uh, consensual, but you need to be mindful of your energy hygiene and what are you walking around with after you have engaged in a very intimate act, which doesn't always have to be intercourse, but definitely intercourse is one of the most intimate acts that there is. What are you doing to cleanse your energy after you've connected with someone, especially if this is someone who is Mm. not a loving partner, but just for whatever. In in these situations and in all situations, good energy hygiene, for example, it's simple. This is one of those things where a little bit on a consistent basis does a lot. It's not like a big splash thing, like, oh my God, I have to go somewhere special and pay somebody thousand dollars for energy cleaning. It is one of the easiest things that people can do is use salt, salt water bath, salt water ocean, salt water scrub in the shower. I keep a Himalayan bar of salt in my shower. And just like I wash my body with cleansers and soap, I also wet my hands with the bar and then pass that over my body pretty much daily because of the work that I do. Um, people, some people like smudge or sage. Um, some people have forms of holy water, Florida water. Um, some people, it, it, there's no wrong thing. It's what works for you. Some people use specific Bible ver- verses and prayers of protection and cleansing. So this isn't so much about I have to find the right tool. This is about what can I incorporate into my daily or regular practices, if not daily, then weekly. To release other people's energy off of me, because first of all, I got my hands full of dealing with my own shit. I don't need to be yeah. dealing with everybody else's shit that I done passed on the street, right? Or kissed, or or whatever. And so, um, I'm a big fan of salt because it's so accessible, it's so affordable, and it's so easy. You don't have to think real hard to do it. An Epsom salt bath will do a whole lot. If you want to add herbs and aromatherapy, I mean, go right ahead. But here's how you know if it works. Again, because there's no right or wrong way. You know it works because you'll feel different afterwards. You will feel lighter afterwards. Not just, oh, I feel clean and my skin feels soft, but you're actually going to feel lighter. Mm. Um, That's how you know it's working. Uh, So any practice is... um, So there's, there's two parts of that there's the the hygiene part which is cleaning up stuff at the end of the day at the end of the week at the end of whatever at the end of an interaction but then there's the prevention part and prevention is about grounding grounding yourself so that things are less likely to stick on you in the first place grounding can be as simple as having a breathing practice or a journaling practice or an exercise practice or go outside and nature practice or a meditation or yoga practice. But it's something that gets you grounded and centered and brings you back into your body and into your breath. And even one minute a day in the morning goes such a long way to keep other people's shit off of you so that you don't have to do as much cleaning. If you do the grounding, you can do less cleaning. But if you're spending all your time cleaning, 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 you probably need to be more grounded to start with and maybe you need to reevaluate some of your life choices about who is around you and what environments you are in boundaries boundaries Mm -hmm. go into environments and people we have choices about 
who we who and where we surround so ourselves. We asked you to come on the show what, because what the story that we read last week is called A Private Affair. And the protagonist, whose name is Riley, is a woman who's been through some past relationships that have chased, shaken her ability to trust not just other people, but more importantly, herself. And you talked a little bit earlier about how a lot of times we have trouble trusting ourselves, trusting our intuition, trusting our gut. What are, what are some things that you've seen that stand in the way of some Black women following our intuition? Mm. Mm. People pleasing. Wanting to do things that would make someone else approve of us or to do them in a way that is acceptable to other people. Um, that stands in the way of so many people and their intuition, Black women especially, but all people. Um, that is so high up there. So what would so-and-so think? Or what would they think? Or what would it look like if I did this? Mm -hmm. Even though my intuition is saying, quit that job. Or um, change your career. You know, I'm a lawyer, but I really want to be a sex educator. What would they think? Yeah. That is a dream killer. Trying to please other people. It's a, a trying to be acceptable to other people. That will get you nowhere fast. And it is a direct conflict with your intuition. Another really big one um, is gaslighting. So gaslighting. And this is when so another person tells you that your experience is not real. And this happens a lot in dating and relationships where there's an unhealthy dynamic and someone is controlling or manipulative or narcissistic or abusive. Is they will tell you that something that you did not experience didn't happen. Not just that they can't relate. They will make you think you're crazy and that it is all in your head. And what happens over time is, and it's intentional on their part, is if you don't trust yourself, you don't know up from down, you can't prove that they're not respecting you. Because again, that's in your head. Oh, you're being too emotional. You're being so sensitive. That never happened. Um, in my very early dating life, I witnessed something with my own two eyes and had someone tell me that it never happened. And it, they were so insistent about it and controlling about it that I started to believe, yeah, to wonder, did I actually see it? And, 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 you know, and over time, it isn't just happens once, but it's over time, it begins to erode your sense of trust in yourself. And so not only do you not even trust your intuition, which is telling you to get the hell out of this relationship, but you don't even trust anything. You don't trust, can you um, manage your money properly? Because this person has told you that, you know, you spend too much of this, that, and the other. They'll tell you that this didn't happen, that they weren't at this place when you drove by and saw their car there. Didn't happen. And now you begin to question what is real. And, and I talk to so many women. I've experienced that. So then later on, when I began to have that feeling again, that very specific kind of anxious feeling, um, that clingy anxiousness feeling, because I'm not a naturally clingy person. When I felt that, I knew that whoever I was dealing with was operating out of integrity in a very big way. And I did not need to know the specifics. It, that alone was enough. When you have intuition, you don't need proof. When you have proof, mm -hmm. you don't need intuition. My intuition was enough to know that I don't need to be dealing with this person. And matter of fact, I'm out pieces. It was great knowing you, but I need to move in another direction. Oh, well, what? Well, you know, I just have a feeling that you're not being straight with me and you're not operating in integrity. Oh, but I'm not doing anything. You know what? Okay. 
I don't even need to prove to them or argue with them about what they're doing. Mm. All right. Love that. I'm done. So what are some things we can do to reconnect with our intuition, uh, particularly in regard to relationships? The first is having a relationship with yourself. And before you introduce any other person into yourself, but having that relationship with yourself so you know what is real for you and being able to understand and hear your own voice so that when somebody else is in your ear, be it a lover or somebody else saying this, that, and the other, you can distinguish between what feels right to you and what doesn't, which has nothing to do with logic and fact, is that there's a role for logic, but what we're talking about is this doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. Or the opposite is true. This isn't just about avoiding pain and, and manipulation and being someone who is controlling. It's also about moving towards the right people, the people who are aligned and compatible and um, good for you. Like this feels right, which is different than this feels good physically, although that can be part of it. This is this feels right. This feels easy. This feels smooth. This feels aligned. And without having to convince ourselves, because that's what we do when we like somebody, is we start to convince ourselves that they're the right person as opposed to observing their behavior over time. Trusting that. There's even with intuition guiding you towards or away from someone, the power of observation and time are so important. Even if you're, especially when you're learning to trust your intuition, you can have an intuitive feeling and then just lay back and observe, sit back and observe. What are they doing? Not what are they saying? What are they doing? One of the things that trips us up so much, and especially if you are an empath, especially if you're an empath, the 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 kiss of death are these words, but we feel so connected. If you find yourself saying that, full stop. Because usually when you're saying that, you're saying that in response to justifying some other behavior that they're doing that did not feel good. And you're mm -hmm. trying to justify why you should put up with that because you feel so connected and you've convinced yourself that this might be your soulmate or whatever, whatever, whatever. But you're trying to, when you hear those words come out your mouth or in your head, full stop, take a step back and reevaluate your situation because you're usually trying to prove something to yourself. Mm. And if you got to prove something to yourself, it ain't it. Or it's it, but you're coming from a place of woundedness and you won't be able to participate in a healthy way in that situation. But usually, because that ain't it. But, but we feel so connected. Okay, so he has a wife already, and you're telling me <laughs> that you feel so connected. Okay, well, that's great. He could be your soulmate. He could be your future husband. But now why he already got a wife. So if he cares about you, he'll handle his business, leave his relationship with integrity, since he says it's, always, it's almost over anyway, and you can wait. And I don't mean by wait, sit on the sidelines, but before you connect yourself to this person that you feel so connected with, who is in a monogamous relationship, but wanting to deal with you, let him handle that. And how he comes to you says everything about how he's going to treat you. I mean, sometimes marriage is in and sometimes mm. the world is not as neatly wrapped up in a bow as the timing of things. And I'm not saying everybody go out and find yourself a married man, but I'm saying that. <laughs> Sometimes you meet your person before they've wrapped up their other relationship. 
but how they handle that transition mm -hmm. speaks volumes to their integrity and speaks volumes to whether they've done the work on themselves to be fully present as a partner to you, mm -hmm. right? So I don't even know how we got on that part about the, oh, the, but we feel so connected. Okay, so when I hear somebody say that, and as an empath, this is so important. It took me, again, I was in my 40s when I had the aha moment that I all my life I've been dating as an empath and that there are some specific things that come with that that other people don't experience. For example, as an empath, and I don't even mean as a professional psychic, but just as an empath who's sensitive to vibes, you can often feel that the other person is genuinely attracted to you. You can feel that they want to be something to you, um, that they want to be your superhero, that they want to be to offer you something, a relationship or whatever. You can feel that that's what they want. You can feel the energy of that. However, you are not to act on that. That's to acknowledge, I feel this. I feel his attraction for me. Okay, but what is he doing? What's he doing? Not what's he saying, because he can, he might be articulating the attraction. Mm -hmm. Girl, I want to do this for you. And I've been thinking about a woman, having a woman in my life just like you. And he may be saying these things, but what is he doing? What is he showing you consistently over hmm. time? There is no substitute for time. Mm -hmm. Right, because it feels so good. And then these same folks will be the first ones. And then we you feel, feel so in the blanks. Lord have mercy. Okay. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> Feelings are great. Vibes are great. Journal it down. Write down what you observed and get it out. But never substitute that for observing the behavior and how they are moving towards you with actions on a consistent basis. Because anybody could be your hero for a week. Anybody could be the man for a week, a month, maybe even three. Someone once told me it takes 90 days before someone um right shows shows their true color you know and so do you really get to see the person and not the quote representative of the person and maybe there's some truth to that i mean i don't know that there's a hard time frame but when i get calls from clients who want to know if this person is their soulmate and it's like you y'all have known each other for two days like is this my guy is he the one it's been two days and don't spend your don't spend your money ask me that don't don't spend your money to ask me that. Or that they're ready to do the work mm. to get there. <laughs> and that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so in the book that we read, uh, the protagonist, Riley, she used masturbation as a form of meditation to tap into her confident self. Um, how can getting in touch with our sensual selves help us get in touch with other parts of ourselves? Oh, that's such a juicy question. That is such a juicy question. I think, well, first of all, self-care and pleasure of any kind is a good thing. Secondly, sexual energy is really powerful. And when people are experiencing stagnation in their lives as a whole or in any area of their lives, the solution to stagnation is flow, to get the energy moving. If energy is stuck, 
Uh, whether it's money, because all money is is energy. If money is stuck, if your money is not flowing like you want, you have to get your energy unstuck. You don't have a money problem. You have an energy problem. So if mm. orgasm and self-pleasuring is the way to get to flow, it literally increases your blood circulation and it moves energy. If that's part of the way that you care for yourself, if that's how you stay in touch with yourself, if that's how you love on yourself, if that's also how you achieve flow in one area of your life, that, that transfers into other areas of your life, of your life. It can. So if you're stuck in one area of your life, get unstuck. You know, sometimes it's through creativity and play. Sometimes it's through sexual energy. Sexual energy is a really powerful thing because at its core, sexual energy is the, is the energy of creation. It is what created this world. Um, it is what keeps the population going in this world is sexual energy, whether it is used for procreation or used for intimacy, bonding, or whether it's used for self-pleasure. That energy, um, when released, um, allows other things to move through you. Also, it literally helps with anxiety and depression. So um, I'm all for it. I think that people need to be encourage and be, and give themselves permission um, to explore their sexuality with themselves and with the partner when they feel safe. You know, your sexual energy is there for you to harness um, and to use how, how you want to. And whether that's partner sex or solo sex, that is, it's a gift. Um, and if you want to see somebody who is uptight and often stagnant in different areas of their lives, they're probably not having enough orgasms in their life. Yeah. Um, so just to connect this piece with what we talked about earlier, how is intuition and sexual uh, energy connected? Yeah, so that, that goes back to that whole thing about sexual energy being creation. And when you are physically more in your body versus just kind of floating out in the breeze and ungrounding, sometimes sexual energy can make you more grounded because it brings you back into your body. It makes you very aware of your body sensation. You know, sometimes people who are practicing mindfulness are um, do exercises where they're focusing on their five senses. What do I see in this moment? What do I hear in this moment? What do I feel in this moment? What do I smell? And sexual energy heightens your physical senses. Um, and so being in touch with yourself and being in your body can actually heighten your intuition because it can bring a level of groundedness to you. And also, again, like we talked about before, it can open up some flow. Um, and intuitive energy is also about flow. It's about intuitive intuition and intuitive energy is less about learning how to become intuitive and more about how to remove the blocks that we have put up that separate us from our own intuition. We are naturally intuitive by default. Children are born intuitive. We get socialized out of our intuition. We're either told that it's witchcraft or as children, we're told it's not polite to say that. So it's not uncommon for an intuitive child to walk into a room and be like, I don't like that person. They hit people or, or mm -hmm. she sleeps with, she's sleeping with him. And then what happens? The child is punished for saying the wrong thing, even though it was true, instead of them being pulled aside and say, hey, your intuition is really on point. How do you, how did you know that? And then letting, letting the child explain how they felt that. And then having a conversation with the child about when it's appropriate to talk about things instead of shutting that child down completely. So now 
the child not only has the message that it's not appropriate to speak, it's that I did something wrong by knowing this. Mm. And it shuts their intuition down. And so when they're 30 and can't figure out how to transition a navigated transition in their life and can't touch, get in touch with their intuition. Some of that can be traced back to them being shut down as a child or being told that only God knows that's not for you to know, or that what you're doing is witchcraft or that you must be getting that information from negative or demonic spirits. When every culture, every religion across the globe has some form of seer, knower, prophet, clairvoyant, Hmm. but it's not for everybody. So they're allowed to do it but you're not allowed to do it. And so it creates, um, it can create a barrier, you know, and then having experiences over your lifetime when you thought you were trusting your intuition and something blew up in your face and then you blame the intuition, even though that might've been a, intuition isn't about making you joyful all the time. It's about getting you to the experiences that you need to have. And that might have been the blow up, might've been a seminal moment um, in your life that that changed your trajectory for your greater good, even though it was uncomfortable in that moment. But then they say, well, when I trusted my intuition, it didn't work. Uh, or you, you were trusting wasn't your intuition. It was your ego voice or your fear voice masquerading mm-hmm. as intuition. And a lot of times people have difficulty differentiating between when I'm hearing the chatter in my head, what part is intuition? What part is just my brain going all over the place? And one of the ways that you can do uh, navigate that is to get into your body, get out of your brain, because your brain is, a, is trying to convince you of all kinds of stuff, which may or may not be true. But your body never lies. Your body's feeling, feeling light or feeling heavy. That's your intuition. When I think about going to this job, I feel heavy. Well, that's your intuition. When I think about this person or this situation, I feel light. I feel happy. I feel lit up. I feel physically lighter. That's your intuition saying, go in that direction. You know, again, you may not get a whole vision of things that are about to transpire, but you start paying attention to how your body responds to different people, different situations. So if you're considering working with someone um, who's a psychic or a prophetess or a spiritualist, a mystic, whatever, because there's different words and terms used for people who do this kind of work. Um, first, you know, if you're concerned about that, pray about it. Ask for guidance. Is, is it time for me to talk with someone like this? And is this person the right person for me? And is this the right time? Start with who you know and trust. And if that's God and Jesus or your deceased grandmother or your angels, talk with them first and ask if this is the right person. Don't do something that you're not really comfortable with or work with someone you're not comfortable with. That's the first thing. What I also want Black people to know um, is stop shaming people for tapping into their own guidance and working with spirit in a way that may look different to you. It's okay to say, I've never seen that before. I don't know what it is. I'm unfamiliar with it. But stop declaring everything as the devil's work that you don't understand. There's a lot of really beautiful things um, and beautiful people helping people who are being ostracized, um, judged, outcast because of their gifts. But their gifts were God-given and they're supposed to be out here helping people. Um, Also, I wish that more Black people knew that you don't have to see a psychic to to tune into your own intuition. You don't have to see a medium to communicate with your own ancestors and deceased loved ones and angels. That that your intention to do so is 90% of the work. I intend, I wish, I desire to have a deeper connection um, with my ancestors, with my angels. Start there. They will find you. Mm. You also 
can set some boundaries about how that is. You are not at their beck and call. I had to learn to set boundaries with people's ancestors that my office hours are from nine to five. <laughs> that means don't be waking me up telling me about Shaniqua's boyfriend. I don't care at three o'clock in the morning. I'm trying to sleep. You might not have a body, but I do and I need my rest. Now, initially, I didn't know I could do that. I was scared of them, not scared of them, but scared that that I did not, that they had authority over me. Mm. I didn't understand at that point that we were in partnership and that we each brought something to the table. And as such, I could set boundaries about how I worked. You also can set boundaries. Even if you're not a professional psychic, if you have a presence in your home, it's probably a guardian spirit watching over your home, your house, your land, your family, your property, but it's uncomfortable. Tell them, you know, I'm glad you're here to protect me, but I don't want to know about it. Mm. I won't see you, don't want to hear you, don't want don't want you moving my stuff around on a dresser. You know, it makes me uncomfortable and I appreciate you, but this is my boundary. Mm. All right. You know, you can create boundaries. These are relationships, just like anything and everything else. It's a relationship and a relationship involves give and take and some balance. Um, that's what I wish people knew. I also wish that people knew and black people knew is that we are spiritual people, regardless of whether you have one particular faith or the other. We are a spiritual people and our source of energy is spirit. Don't get it twisted and get confused about what your source is. You might have a job, but that's not your source. Mm. You might have a lover, but that's not your source either. Get get real clear about what your source is and understand that God or source or spirit or the universe, whatever words you want to use, is working through different people, different situations and different vehicles to bring you what is needed. That also means that if that's not your source, you can release it. Or if it leaves you, you're still good because that was never your source. Mm. And when you understand that that's not your source, it takes some of the fear away of it leaving you, be it the job, the person, the possessions, the status, the whatever. It takes some of that away. Right. And it allows you to walk more empowered through this world. Mm. What's your superpower? Ooh. I mean, intuition for one. <laughs> for one. <laughs> My superpower. Um, yeah, aside from intuition, which is like the obvious thing. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe that is the superpower. That's a good question. What is my superpower? Okay. My superpower it's intuition, but that word is kind of vague. But my superpower is the ability to see truth. Mm. And it isn't just truth about facts, but it's the truth of who someone is and what they are capable of and what they were put on this earth to do. When I sit down with a client, or sometimes it's not even a client because it can happen spontaneously. When I can see who they were made to be um, and share that with them, you know, it is such a powerful moment for them, but also for me. Sometimes I'll be in a reading with a client and sometimes, you know, my clients laugh because I'll be just as surprised as they are by the stuff that is revealed and just as oppressed as they are by who they were um, revealed when the, re the revelation comes of who they were made to be or what they were put on this earth to do or what they're going to accomplish in their lifetime. When that comes through, I'll be like, woo, 
I'm just, I'll just as just as impressed, just as wowed, just as floored, just as moved. So you know, my clients be in there crying. Sometimes I'll be in there crying with them. I mean, people are surprised by um, the fact also that these sessions are not like these holier than thou moments. They're real, and I'm me, and you're gonna get me because I'm I'm the interpreter of these messages, and they are funny and they are real and there's going to be cussing and, and the ancestors be talking about sex a lot. <laughs> People are surprised. I'm still surprised by how often that comes up that the ancestors want us having good, healthy, loving, fun sex. Like, it's amazing when people come and they describe what they want in a soulmate and they don't ever mention sex and the ancestors be like, but let me tell you who's coming and what they're bringing and what their special superpower is when it comes to bedroom activities. And then they'll be like, oh my God, how did they know that that's what I want? <laughs> like they know. How they th- how do you think they got to be your ancestors? They were procreating. They know something. They also understand the dynamics of joy and of ecstasy mm-hmm. and they want more of us to experience that whether it's through sexual energy or not you know but they want us to experience the full vitality of life which includes sexual energy and however that is expressed what are you reading right now Ooh, i got a stack of books um i just finally finished um the water dancing by ta-nehisi coates fiction um i'm reading a bunch of Nonfiction books uh, on business, including um, Rachel Rogers, We Should All Be Millionaires. Um, she's a, a Black woman talking about entre- women entrepreneurs and scaling up your business. Um, let's see, what else am I reading? I'm reading a bunch of articles and online classes and stuff right now. <laughs> And I'm I'm writing off and on my own book um, is coming one day. So it, it's coming in fits and spurts, um, both my story and lessons and intuition. Like um, my story has so many layers that when this book comes out and there's some oh my god moments uh, about how how my intuition really came to the forefront. You were asking me what I was, what I'm reading. It's time for me to reread uh, one of my all-time favorites, which I reread periodically because it changed my life. It's Jambalaya by Louisa Teich, and it's like it's like a three books in one. It's one part autobiography, one part history of spiritual New Orleans, including Marie Laveau, and one part instruction on rituals and charms and calling forth your own superpowers and spiritual gifts. I actually have it. Um, so let me yeah. know when you start you so we can read along together. <laughs> yes. It's one of my all time, all time favorites. And it's time for me to reread it. Yeah. I want to read it with y'all. No, it's, it's, it's and I'll download okay. it. I'm looking. Oh, is our group thread coming back? Remember when we had the Game of Thrones group yes. thread? Yes. So now we can just move on over to this and now we can do it on books yes i don't see where it is but i definitely have it and i remember it's a purple book yeah and i remember what what you say she says purple it's a purple okay, book so you see stuff is oh yeah i see it right there, there. <laughs> yep i see it. i see it right there and the first like the first couple pages i was like oh this book is amazing like just 
first couple pages, mm-hmm. wow. it grabs you and I've just been a mess. But let me know when you start reading it and I will. I will. will. I had a chance to meet her, Louisa Tashlin, in New Orleans. Um, she doesn't live there anymore. She lives in um, San Francisco Bay Area, I think in Oakland. But she comes back to her hometown periodically. And when I lived in New Orleans, she came and did a book signing um, for her other books at a local black bookstore. Mm. Um, and I got a chance to meet her. And to- I totally geeked out. <laughs> But she was just amazing and warm, and uh, she showed us how to make a good drink. <laughs> good. Oh, uh, she she's a treasure. She's a treasure. Okay. Well, um, what's turning you on today? What turns me on? <laughs> um, life turns me on. The the fullness of it. Um, being in Barbados um, is such a life changing mm. experience for me to live in this level of joy and abundance because. There is so much beauty here. Mm-hmm. Like it's physical eye therapy to just look around and look at all of these flowers and the lushness and the richness and the green and then the, the ocean that I get to drive by every day or get in whenever I feel like just to have that level of abundance around. Um, I am lit up. Um, by relationships. I just spent two weeks with my mom. She came here to visit in Barbados and we had such an amazing time. And I'm so excited that I'm going home for Christmas uh, for the holiday season and to spend time with my family. I spent last Christmas in Barbados, which was lovely, but very, very weird because it was 85, 90 degrees and it just wasn't the same, you know? And I said, okay, so I've learned that I need to go home for Christmas. Um, What am I lit up by? What turns me on? Um, I am turned on by smart people. Mm. I am turned on by people who are living out their dreams and living in full alignment with who they are. There's a certain energy to that. Even if they don't have all things figured out, you know when somebody is walking in their purpose because they just give off a certain vibe. And I find that that is a turn on for me. Um, for my, it lights up my energy. Um, I am turned on by foot rubs. Yes, <laughs> a good foot massage. Man, they make me giggle or kick. I don't really have my feet <laughs> no. Touch. I love a good foot massage. You don't? No, great foot massage. Yeah, I'd like legitimately if I could find a submissive just for foot massages, I totally will. So if someone's <laughs> out there. You know somebody. That's, there's something for everyone. Yeah, so Someone out for there, everyone out here. Holla at a player. Okay, so so you just gonna manifest it. Manifest that. It's, it's happening. happening. <laughs> okay, so Jamila, it's happening. It's already done. We like to ask yes. goofy questions. So here's yours. Well, it's not a question. It's a request. Give us a thirty to sixty second TED talk about something super ordinary. A 30 to 60 second TED talk about something super ordinary. I'm gonna set a timer too. <laughs> okay, can I, can I need a, can I have 30 seconds to think about what it's gonna yes. be before I start talking? You can have 15. <laughs> okay, okay. Something super ordinary. 
What's considered ordinary? Folding clothes. Just a random picking out a good pair of shoes. Flowers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Doing a great ponytail. Okay. Okay. Um. <laughs> Ready? Okay. All right. Yes. Here we go. 60 seconds on the clock. Go. I mean, for real, for real, the best way to clean the grout in your bathroom towel is with a toothbrush and a paste that's made with Clorox bleach and baking soda. And then you just get it in there with your toothbrush in all of the crevices and the caulk. Like if you have dark spots around the caulk in your bathtub, put that paste on there, cover it with some plastic wrap. If it's really deep and deep stains, let that sit for a while, a couple of hours if the stains are bad. And then you get in there with an old toothbrush and you scrub it, scrub it, scrub it, scrub it. And it will look like new. You'll be amazed at the grout and the caulk and the towel in your bathroom. It's going to look like totally brand new. It'll be sparkling. Yes. yes. So with 11 seconds to spare. I love well it. Done. <laughs> You know, anything about cleaning gets me excited, so I'm here for it. Yes. What's funny is I'm not even a cleaner like that, but there are certain things I'm particular about, you know? And grout is one of them. In real time, I haven't had to do that because being in Barbados, I have a housekeeper. Mm. And that is one of the best Mm. life decisions I have ever made. She comes every week. um, And it frees me up to not even think about cleaning my house. Um... Not just that, but I, I stay clean because I know she's coming on Friday. So I get organized so that she can mm-hmm. clean. So my house stays more organized. But um, it frees up my energy to do other things. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of the best. And it's very affordable mm-hmm. here. Like services here are really affordable. Hair, beauty, cleaning, landscaping, all that stuff is super cheap. Right. That's awesome. I don't do my own hair anymore. Um, I, and I, I was telling Kim Ree I get my lashes done. I didn't used to get my lashes done. He said something twenty five dollars. Twenty five dollars. Twenty five dollar refills. Oh, All right, look at you. Yeah. Like, well, damn, I want my lashes done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was probably fifty to seventy five for the first set, and then twenty five dollar refill. Girl. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You live. You have figured it out. You have mm-hmm. figured it out. That's pretty dope. Uh, and also, you are trying to help our listeners figure some stuff out. You're going to be offering a discount. All y'all got to do. Absolutely. If y'all go to Inspire Jamila, that's I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D-J-A-M-I-L-A.com and enter the code, the turn on all smushed together. You'll get 10% off of a private intuitive consultation, either by phone or video. Let me help you get unstuck get you clear about your purpose, get you clear about the gifts that you were born with, that you may have had over multiple lifetimes and how to block, unblock these obstacles that are preventing you from living your best life, you know, joy, mm-hmm. peace, abundance, and all of that, that is your birthright. Um, and sometimes you need a little bit of insight to help you uh, have that breakthrough. Yeah. So come holler at your girl, 10% off. Uh, and also next spring, uh, spring 2022, I am hosting a retreat in Barbados. Are you? And if you want to learn more about that, come to my website and holler at me and I'll send you. Yeah, oh, I'll be there. Okay. That's, so there. that's 
inspiredjamila.com. If you want to follow her on IG, you can go to inspired.jamila. On Facebook, you are Inspired Jamila. Right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yo, thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. We've been waiting to do this for so long and it was all that it was all that we had anticipated. Yeah. I love you too. Yeah. So we so love much. you so much. So grateful. And I just I'm so just grateful. to say, like, for real, y'all, her helping you get through some stuck points in life, like, whew, between Jamila and therapy. Honey, you that you've helped make me who I am today, yeah. and it was simply, you know, it was by like helping me see things that you know, like like you said, like you just kind of help that energy flow. Um, I remember our first session, I was super afraid because I'm like, she's gonna tell me something scary, and it was beautiful. That's what a lot of people think it was beautiful. Oh, yeah, you were worried about that. Yeah, I was like, she's gonna tell me something. That's, super that's See, I wasn't because we were, are afraid of we were already yeah. close. So I remember just being like, she won't tell me if it's something bad because we're friends, right? <laughs> so I, but then you, right. you told me to stay away from some nigga and I didn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, it was very much up to you to, to make do that. It, yeah. That's right. But no, it was, it, it has the work you do, especially particularly the work you've done in my life has been life changing. So, um, oh, for real y'all. Thank you. For also, she's just lady. a really fancy, a fantastic friend. I'm yes. Oh. Friend. oh, Oh God. I could, yeah. Like you guys love, fest. I could like tell stories fest. about how Jamila has come in and like, just shown up at the house. Yes. Like, look, yes. I'm helping you. Here we go. <laughs> so, yeah. It's true. I You're still there. got some of your oh, Tupperware that. I do. But I'm also, like, girl, by I, the still door, that, and then you I left. still need that uh, that dressing recipe. It was Oh, the avocado lime cilantro dressing. Oh, I'll hit you up with that. And that Tupperware, that was that disposable stuff that I bought just to take over to, the, to your house. So just keep oh, okay. it. Okay, listen. It's literally <laughs> in the bin by the door. It wasn't that good quality. It wasn't that good quality Tupperware that I need to repossess. I see. I like to just give people back their stuff and it's been there. I, I understand. I understand. <laughs> but look, where, where am I going to put it? In my right. suitcase yeah. and bring it when back you, to Barbados? When you made that move, I, I was like, so. yeah. mm, never mind, so. <laughs> you, you, me going to Barbados means you can keep the Tupperware. Okay. Consider it a Thanks. gift. <laughs> <laughs> and that avocado lime cilantro dressing. I'm actually making that tonight. Oh. So it is, it is so yummy. She used to make it it's and so drop yummy. it off in mason jars. I just, oh. Yeah. I don't think y'all understand. And I remember Saw liked it. Yeah. No, we was putting that on. We putting that shit on everything mm-hmm. like down here. So. Do we need to do we need to make that recipe available to the listeners? Ooh. Like, do you have a show yeah. extra We can put section? it on the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in yeah. our show notes. Because you know people going to be mad. They're going to be like, they I can't taste it. it. Why they talk about I can't taste yes. it? Yes, okay. Yo, that that. That that salad dressing is life changing. Really yeah, yeah, okay. That was the first homemade salad dressing that I ever made, and and it changed the game it's for so me. Good. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it's we'll good. share it once you share it with us. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So that is it for this week's episode of the Turn On. Uh, thank y'all for listening. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This episode was produced by us, Kenry and Erica, and edited by Ballistic. The theme music is from Brazy. 
Hit subscribe right now in your favorite podcast app and at youtube.com slash the turn on podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Then follow us on Twitter at the turn on pod and Instagram at the turn on podcast. And you can find links to books, transcripts, guest info, what's turning us on and other fun stuff at the turn on And don't forget to email us at the turn on podcast at gmail.com with your book recommendations and your pressing sex and related questions. And you can support the show by leaving us a five-star review, buying some merch or becoming a patron of the show. Just head to the turnonpodcast.com to make that happen. Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Holla.